Gentlemen, what's up? We are diving into tonight mental health part two. Super excited to have David Watson and Toby Newcomer back with us for this episode. John had a little bit of technical difficulties uh, here and uh, wasn't able to join us for most of it, but we got a rocking show here today. Check it out right now. Gentlemen, welcome to the Purpose Infused Brotherhood, the podcast where men come to build, battle, and bond together and be the best versions of themselves. If you're a man who's ever felt out of alignment with his purpose, then you're in the right place to reignite the fire and infuse male purpose into your life every single day. And now your hosts, John Doe and Clay Smeltzer. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Purpose Infused Brotherhood podcast. On this episode, we're going to depart two of our mental health discussion. Over the next 30 to 45 minutes, we're going to get into the topic of mental health again, and we're going to focus here. And I'm super excited because we got our brothers here today, a panel. We got two other brothers here, along with John and I, uh, to talk today about mental health and to go deep with this. So we're also going to give you five ways that you can help boost your mental health uh, and just be in that positive vibe and that purposeful vibe and that tensional vibe. So, John, what's up, brother? How are you doing today? Super well, man. Super well. And, and of course, super excited to be here. Um, you know, we're going to discuss mental health again tonight. And we brought back our brothers. We got David Watson back here. He was on this uh, the episode that dropped today. Hope everybody checks it out. Um, and then also Toby Newcomer. He come back. He's back from our uh, purpose versus passion discussion, and uh, super happy to have both of those guys here tonight. Um, you know, we're going to kind of free flow and let the conversation lead us. You know, where it needs to go. Um, we had awesome conversations this week. Um, our goal is again to let men know that they can and should talk about mental health and especially their own. Like I said, look forward to having you guys and and hearing what we got going on tonight. So you guys want to say hey to the audience and let's Toby. Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing, guys, gentlemen? Looking forward to having a good conversation tonight and uh, just reaching out and, and uh, seeing what we can come up with. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm super excited to uh, do the second part. Um, I was able to listen to uh, part one today as it was released. Uh, super grateful again for the the space, the safe space for me to share my story, um, and um, I it was really I feel I feel like I was able to share some some really important stuff, um, and and I'm and I'm really pleased to be back here um, with with y'all, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into this um, and continuing hearing more. Um, and, and, uh, and really I'm, I'm looking forward to putting John on the spot again. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> looking forward to, we're looking forward to that too. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm actually going to dive right into it because David, Please. you know, I, I, I listened to the podcast. I think we all listened to the podcast that came out today. Uh, cause again, we record a week ahead of time. And so the part one came out today. So we got to listen to it. Here's one of the things that I'm really grateful for is one, just what you said, David, is, is having a space that you felt comfortable enough 
to be able to share those pieces about your mental mental health journey, your life. And that's because it's your story, you know, and be able to share that. And I think that's one of the things that's super important. John, you did the same thing. We put you on a hot seat with, you know, going through uh, the death of your wife and how mental health came into fa- to factor there, how you were able to show up for yourself, but for your family as well in all those times. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that with mental health, we have to be able to have the space to share. You know, we have to be able to have a place in space. I didn't have that before, but at the same time, I didn't want that when I was going through my stuff because I was at that point in time where I was like, hey, you know what? I just, I'm a big man. I'm a tough guy. Uh, I'm going to fix this shit myself. And well, 15 years later, I'm still not fixing the shit. So uh, now I am, but it took me to that point of like breakdown, that midlife crisis at 35 where I'm going, fuck, something, something has to have, something has to be different. And what we want to do, and I think the conversation that we had last week and the one that we're having right now, today, as you guys are listening to this, is that it's one of saying, hey, you don't have to get to that point. You know, David, you talked about getting to that point. John, we talked about getting to that point, that point of break, where if we talk about it before, I didn't have to get to that point of break. I didn't need to, but because I wanted to try to do it all alone, I wanted to try to be the lone wolf. I wanted to try to be the tough guy. That's why I got to that breaking point. And we just want men to know and listeners to know here is that you don't have to get to that point. There are spaces and places just like the Purpose Infused Brotherhood that you can come to, to be able to build your toolkit, to be able to have those different things. So you don't have to get to that breaking point. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I took away from re-listening to that um, is being able to have that space to be able to share because that's so important to mental health. So Toby, I kind of want to come to you as you know, as you listen to, and I know you shared in our volley with the brothers and stuff uh, too. And that if, if for your listeners, volley is an app we use to d- communicate daily with the brotherhood. So Toby, just give us kind of your thoughts on what you really picked up out of that conversation. Yeah, listen to that. You know, was, I was listening to that today on the road and, um, you know, really doing some thinking and stuff. And, and at first, um, you know, I think I listened to all you guys' perspective and you guys, it, it, it basically, uh, at least David and Clay for sure, it, you guys, it happened to you, to you, mm-hmm. okay? I come from a different, little bit of different angle. Um, it, I was on the outside looking in on mental health. Um, you know, growing up, I, I wasn't exposed to any major mental health issues growing up in, in my family and my circle of exposure. Like you guys, you know, was talking about today, that, that environmental thing mm-hmm. um, in your circle. But um, I basically was, was thrust into it around 15 years ago. Um, our youngest son, Chase, got diagnosed with uh, autism. And in, in the matter, you know, because it is your child, um, you know, it kind of immerses you into the world of it. Um, and I learned more in this last 15 years about mental health. And I got more tools in my toolkit in this last 15 years than I ever thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those tools, I was able to look back on my life um, because I was advocating for our child. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife has, you know, some depression issues, too. But, um, you know, I was more of aware of mental health at that point. Um, number one, I was more mature enough to recognize the issues. Um, number two, I, I, of course I had the drive and the ability at that time and the, and the push to learn about it because it is, you know, your child, um, and all the stuff that, that he went through and is still going through and his journey. Um, but what I, what that did for me, that, that I developed and built tools in dealing with this and us being immersed in this, 
to actually help myself. Um, And I built systems to help myself, which was amazing. I was able to look back on my life and go, yeah, I probably could have used a little help back then or this or that, or just your view changes. Even hindsight and mental health changes. If the more you learn and the more you, we get immersed in it, um, the more you understand it. It's like any subject, but this particular subject is very important for your overall health, your physical health too. Because as we know, um, mental health in lots of ways, you know, affects your physical health um, and vice versa. Um, so, you know, they're all connected. In every way, it, it, your, your thoughts could, yeah. is your body and controls your, your life. It, it come, uh, the first thing comes with your thoughts and what do you think and things like that too. So Absolutely. And, and we, we've been blessed in, in, in I'll, say, I'll, I'll say my mental health journey, which encompasses all my family and the journey we've been on. I've heard it say about autistic families, it's not just one person in an autistic family that's autistic and dealing with it. It's everybody, mm-hmm. um, at least in a caring, loving family. Unfortunately, we've been on a journey. We've seen uh, a lot of single parent households and everything else, single mothers, single fathers, uh, even kids that are living with their grandparents and everything else that suffer with mental health and autism that come from split households. And trust me, that makes it so much harder. I have been super blessed with very understanding grandparents, very understanding family members. And then on top of it, um, we've been blessed with very, very good professionals um, along the way. And, you know, Chase has been in uh, five different short-term facilities, um, sometimes up to like 60 days. Um, So we've talked to a gamut of, of professionals in the field. And I was one thing I always did was I was always engaged and I always were asking them questions and trying to understand because it is your child. I, I heard somebody real quick, I'll explain it. What I heard somebody say one day, it's like, look, if, you know, a cure for my child for his autism or whatever mental issue was, was on, if the cure was on Mars, I would be building a rocket ship in my backyard to get there, to get the cure. I mean, that's how serious you need to be. And it is very tough on families. Um, a lot of therapists over the years uh, asked my wife, are you, are you guys still together? Yes, we are. And trust me, it, it, it wasn't without any work. You know, a lot of autistic families, you know, end up, you know, uh, splitting and going their separate ways because it is such, such a difficult thing to understand. Um, you know, and, and I think like through my journey and my wife's journey, we've, we've come to understand more and it's made us better people. Um, and that's one thing that I strive to do is learn from your situation and, um, um, you know, build those systems that, that help you along. Because as anybody knows that, that to change your mindset, you got to change your mind. And, and, you know, if you have mental health issues in there, clouding everything up, um, you know, not just through therapy, through medication and therapy and professionals, that's what you really need. I mean, that's what they're there for. I know, David, you've gained a lot from therapists over the years. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, I've, I've gained a bunch from, we have family therapy and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I've, I just, we need more professionals out there in the field because it is so lacking, um, you know, and we can discuss that a little later, some of my personal experiences with that. But, yeah, it's, this is a subject that, that really needs talked about, and um, I'm glad we're here now to discuss it and, um, you know, share with, share with our listeners. So. And I, th- I think it, it, the one of the biggest words that you said is understanding. You know, I think that's that's lots of times 
what we really need to have, you know, we talk about last, last episode, we talked about discussions versus arguments, you know, or persuasion and things like that. And we get stuck in the, these things that are in our head, like, oh, this is the way it is, or this is the way it, it has to be, or this and that. And instead of looking to understand, you know, seek to understand and then to be understood. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest things is that when we do that and we have that understanding, we got a big, a, a, a clearer picture of what's actually occurring. Um, because the, when, when we talk about mental health, you know, it's the individual person that's going through it. So like, like Chase going through mm -hmm. it, then it, it branches out to the different levels, you know, so it's like the ripple in the pond, it branches out and ripples out and how you are able to control those ripples. What are they, are they just ripples or are they waves? You know, are they crashing? Are they doing these different things? And I think that's very important to be able to do that, but you can't do that unless you're understanding be able to do it so um i want i want to jump in quickly here and just say um <clears throat> that part of in my journey i mentioned last week that it it took me up to two years ago to come to grips with with uh religion and with my stuff and i want to point out that the person who really helped me is toby it was toby question he's saying to me what would davism look like what would that look like as a religion and it was that exercise that i did that completely freed me and so I want to make a, a plug, not only thank Toby, because, you know, with that, without that, I don't think I would have necessarily even be where I am today emotionally. Um, but also just that this is the point of having these discussions and, and being in and, and is you never know when somebody can just asking, excuse me, asking a simple question, like, what would that look like in your world? What would that be like? And, and not having Catholicism in there. And, and that was so incredibly helpful and it freed me. It was, it was a very freeing thing. And so I, I'm, I'm totally feel completely indebted to, to Toby for, for what I, was him was just a, you know, a, probably a, a question of, <clears throat> um, of just wondering, um, but it really, it really helped me. Well, thanks, David. I mean, it, it, it real quick, it, it was more, I don't know, I, I, I've, at that point, I asked you, um, I was open to your struggle, you know, I could see what you were going through. And lots of times we get clouded in our own uh, issues that we, we can't hear questions from outside. So, you know, posing an outside question that maybe you didn't think about, um, I just, it was like, a you have a ring of keys, and you have a door with a keyhole in it. And I'm just, I'm just trying different keys. And you know what? I found the right one to unlock. And I, I'm happy that, that yeah. I was able to do that for you. So and yeah, and I, this, yeah, and that's go the, ahead. That's the power of having a conversation. That's the power mm -hmm. of each week we come together. You know, we have sessions on Tuesday you can join or you can on Wednesday. That's the power of having the conversations because there are so many different things that I never would have thought of. I never would have thought about or had that perspective introduced to me or that experience without this, this conversation, without the brotherhood, because, well, it just didn't come up, you know what I mean? And that's the cool thing about this is having that discussion and, and seeing what, and, and Toby's my cousin, but having a talk about it and the conversations that we've had in the brotherhood to know what's going on gives me a different perspective of him, of who he is, how he shows up in the world and how he lives with purpose every day. Same thing with you, David. You know, same thing with you, John. 
You know, it's those different experiences and conversations that we had that we get to know people, we get to understand people, and then we get to actually appreciate those people even more because, well, we've had that conversation. We've had that discussion. I think that's a, that's a super, super important piece um, yeah, man. to go into. All right, so we, we really want to narrow in tonight. Again, I wanted to kind of just free flow here tonight uh, as we continue the discussion. I think it's awesome so far. Um, but we really want to look at the two aspects, too. There's environmental pieces, and then there's biological pieces. But, David, you had a great question there for Toby uh, in, in, as we were talking there. Yeah, so to really, uh, I want to, I'm interested in hearing more about, um, about um, his son and about advocacy for a child and then the importance of, of addressing it at an early age. And, you know, I know from my own story, not if my parents had not fought tooth and nail mm -hmm. to get me diagnosed with ADD, um, it, that I, my life would be completely different. And, um, but I really want to hear from Toby um, being a parent um, and coming from a standpoint of not having mental health as being so prominent in his life, in his own personal life until that. And I think that that is a really important uh, topic that our, that our listeners will be able to relate to because, you know, some people have, haven't had the necessarily the difficulties um, from a younger age. So, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah um, with, with Chase, we got him diagnosed pretty early. He was he was four years old. But the only reason that we the only reason that we got him diagnosed so early is we knew the signs. I mean, we live in a time right now. If you look at brackets of time, we live in a time right now where we know so much about not just autism in general, but mental health. And um, there's a lot more uh, published out there. There's a lot more people practicing and there's a lot more sample uh, volume. Of, of sample from people that, that when we had before. In fact, there's a lot of, um, I forget what the other, the project name is, but there's a project out there. I've seen it advertised on TV, but they are looking for volunteers uh, that have autism that, so they can get this huge data set that they can pull stuff out of. But with Chase, we got him diagnosed early and that had really helped us along on his mental health journey because um, he got diagnosed at four um, at first, though, too, like you said, of advocacy, David, um, can early I, age. Can I jump in there real quick? Because I, I think a lot of people, too, like parents and things like that, because you said about some of the signs. What were some of those things at that? OK, age? Um, because I know as an educator myself, a lot of parents are like, well, what the, well, what the hell am I looking for? You know, okay. is it this or that? Because, you know, like we talk too, like there's a big spectrum. You know, there is. Uh, of, of the realm, you know, of mental health but also in, in autism and things like that too. So what were, just real quick, you know, what were some of those things that made you go, hey, um, we want to we kind of look into this and see what's, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, uh, obviously, the, the person that's going to notice these things in their child first is, is the parents, okay? Um, because you're around them all the time and everything else. So, and then to get them professionally diagnosed, you, you had to have a little advocacy. But the first things we saw in him at four years old were sensory issues. Okay. Now, again, it, it is a spectrum. So you, you have some kids that are nonverbal, you know, or won't talk. They're a little easier to diagnose um, that won't look you in the eye. Um, they're a little easy to diagnose. And again, this is on the spectrum. This is on one end of the spectrum. Then you have... Um, kind of the middle of the road where they are, they are 
high fun, you know, medium functioning, where they will look you in the eye and they will communicate some, but there's other issues. Um, and then there is a high end of the spectrum. Chase fits on probably at four, he fit on probably medium to high because his symptoms were, um, were sensory, like audio issues. Um, he would walk into a crowded room, you'd be holding hands, walking into say the supermarket or a busy place for like where a party was going on. Um, and he would literally rip out of your hand and go screaming, running back the way we came where there were no people. Um, a lot of that was sensory issues as far as audio sensory. Okay. Um, that was the first thing. Um, and we didn't understand what was first. We just thought, oh, he was shy. And no, it wasn't because I'll explain a little bit about how that affects with audio. Um, <clears throat> we can be, we can be without autism. We can be in a restaurant picture yourself in a restaurant and it's busy, but you can sit across from somebody and you can have a conversation with them. You're hearing just them. You're hearing the background noise, the hum and everything else, but you don't hear anybody else's conversation, really, even the people next to you, because you're looking at that person across from you. You can somewhat read lips. The human mind is very plastic. It can actually pick up on a lot of things, but um, the autistic brain, okay, say you're, you're having a conversation with one or two people at your table. The autistic brain picks up every conversation imagine if everybody was three inches away from your ears and actually talking into your ears at the same time that's what the autistic at least the autistic person the autistic child hears and they don't know any better they have never had anything else different that's why you'll see a lot of autistic kids wearing headphones um, for drowning out background noise and everything else and imagine having 25 people on each side of you having a conversation and yelling at you in your ears. That's basically what he was dealing with at the time. Um, so that's that aspect of it. Others was tactile. Um, he didn't like rough clothing. Um, he didn't definitely wear jeans. Um, he couldn't have any shirts with tags in them. They would really bother him. Um, and then he didn't have it as much, but some, a lot of autistic kids have issues with stuff sticking to their hands. Your hands are one of the most sensitive parts on your body. And the way they did is it's all, everything's hyperactivated. So um, if he would get something sticky on his hands, he didn't know what to do. Um, you know, so he didn't know how to cope. He didn't have any coping skills um, because everything is like overload for, for sensory issues. So you know, here's this kid, you know, acting, you know, at the time we thought was just acting out what's wrong with them. You know, it's like, look, we need to maybe, get him diagnosed. Another thing too, it, with Chase, especially with that, he's hyper-focused on whatever he's doing. Um, the kid is a whiz at Legos. He can build stuff from nothing and it's amazing. But also if you see a kid lining up cars in certain patterns, they have to have everything. And it's a lot of uh, like ADD, you know, built into it. Um, it's the same, same messages in the brain and everything else is just hyperactivated in a different way. If you see them lining their toys up in a certain way, um, he would have, when we did little experiments, even at three and four, he would line cars up a certain way or Legos up a certain way. And then he went out of his room. I could go in there and literally move one car two or three degrees rotation. He would come back in the room and he would have a fit because that car moved and he knew somebody moved it. That's how hyper-focused his brain was on what he was doing. And we think of people like that as amazing, as savants and everything else. So it, it's, it's weird how that, the, that ability and that what we think is disability overlap, you know, and 
you know, it's like overdrive for your brain that never shuts off. I think, um, I, think, so, I think that's a good point. What you just said there is that how the disability and ability overlap. And I think that's yeah. one of the thing about like when we look at autism, we look at ADD, we look at ADHD, we look at all these things, you know, like even for me, like for me, you know, like yeah. to me, like picking up everything and like I hear everything. But I think a lot of the times I've been able to utilize that aspect in a positive way. I mean, that's I think that's what helped me excel in the baseball field. Like I take it everything or the football field. I can take it everything. Sure. Um, yeah. Be able to, to do that. But I, I like what you said there because it's the ability versus the not versus but disability and ability come together like they overlap there's this overlapping because i think it's really cool because we have lots of like i i as an educator i've seen many students come through my classroom as autism so we're mm -hmm. like the greatest minds i'm like oh my god this person's so super now they wouldn't t look at you in the eye they wouldn't do certain things but man they were just boom they just kill it you know and i teach yeah. math so they're just like boom going all over the place and and i think that think that's a really good point to do that david with you and i want to jump here just so so we get that cross with you toby saying that because i saw your i saw you go oh you know what what's your thoughts on that aspect of the ability this disability and that overlap yeah so i mean it's super interesting because a lot of i can relate to that stuff because i'm also i'm really good at building legos and i used to make my own transformers out of legos um and it was one of those things that i never needed any anything to help me focus on that i could be downstairs in the basement playing with legos for six hours straight and not and 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 not be worried about focusing but you put like spelling words in front of me and i'm like oh, all over the place so um and uh so i can relate a lot and um there are two things i wanted to bring up and one of the things um and where uh, one of the things that has now come out in, in a lot of research is this idea of executive function. And this is where I think that we actually see um, where having an understanding of the spectrum, that there's a spectrum, there's a spectrum for ADD, ADHD. It's all called ADHD now, um, even though ADD is, is sort of is slightly different. Um, and then, you know, autism also has a spectrum, but there's a lot of commonalities. And I, I, Toby, I'm, you know, I'm glad you said it because we are talking about the same areas of the brain. We are talking about the same chemicals. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. interaction might be different, but, um, but <clears throat> it's really, it, it's important. So, and what, a, what executive, uh, executive function um, is a set of mental skills that include working memory, flexible thinking, and self-control. Um, and this is an, uh, is an area that, um, that, where autism oftentimes they don't ever gain um, executive function or the executive function is definitely less. Whereas mm -hmm. somebody with ADD or ADHD can develop coping mechanisms that actually allow you to, uh, to sort of um, supersede or, and, and actually be able to gain some more of those abilities of self-control um, with age. So um, I'm just, uh, I was just gonna say that, thank you. Um, or let me share that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that and that brings up a couple things too, because, um, and, and again, it, with with autism especially, and with all mental health, autism especially, it is a journey. It is never over. You're always learning. You're always improving. And of course, like I said, with me being on the outside and being looking in instead of being on like like you guys on the inside looking out for mental health. 
um, you know, I take a different view of it and, and because I don't have, for lack of a better term, I, I, I wasn't living in the cloud. I was outside of the cloud and the cloud enveloped over me, you know, if you want to take it that direction. But with, with, like with Chase, you know, he, at first you try, you try all kinds of different things. Being on a journey, think about taking a really long hike. You know, you're going to see all kinds of terrain, depending on where you are. You're going to see all kinds of different weather, you know, and, and we've been through that. We've been through medication especially the last 14 years, we've been on this journey for 14 years so far. And of course you get to some point where you look ahead and say, all right, what, what, what he, what is he going to be able to do? You know, where is his limits? We, we, we kind of know and accept that he will have a ceiling. Um, but to see the improvements and improvements come in fits and starts, um, you know, and, and, and that's why you cannot get this discouraged about your journey because um, you just may not have the right combination of things yet. I mean, we've, we've done the kid, I think has been on 23 different medications in his life. Um, and a lot of the mental health medicines and David, you can attest to this, have a lot of love, iffy and horrible side effects. Um, you know, whether it be, you know, terminal stuff, whether it be stuff they don't know about yet, weight gain, um, hormonal issues, stuff like that, because these things are, the, especially some of the drugs are almost like a nuclear option, like Ritalin and everything else. They're just trying to get a person where they're able to just function somewhat normally in society, where they don't get out and they don't just blow off and hit somebody or hurt somebody or hurt themselves. You know, you're just trying to get to a state. But on the other side of that coin, what kind of life is that to live? You cannot learn coping skills and everything else. And Chase is a perfect example for that. Um, he, it is awesome where he's at right now, but most of his gains, I say 90% of his gains to get where he's at right now. And I'll, I'll tell you in a little bit about that have been in the last six months. Mm -hmm. We have found something that works for him and we had an awesome opportunity to get him somewhere um, where he can learn that. And the last seven months, he's been off all his medications and he actually made all that ground off of all the medications. So a lot of our, your mental health journey and what you go on, a lot of it is looking back, you know, taking hyper notes and hype, you know, just understanding every little nuance. I mean, there was times where we would adjust his meds half a gram, you know, this and that, and it would make a difference. But, you know, at the overall picture, you know, it comes to a point where you're just spinning your wheels and you're like, what more can we do? What more can we do? And you, like I said, at that point where you want to give up most either in your own personal mental journey or in the one for your family or people you're advocating for. And I, you, and I you, think Toby, what, what we're saying there too, is it, let's go back to the environment versus biology. Yep. There's, there's biology, but the environment that Chase is in is an environment yes. that has created that. And it's about, it's about when, when we deal with mental health, no matter what it is, whether it's youth, whether it's adults, Yes. The environment that you are in is extremely important to the mental health of yourself. Absolutely. We're in a negative environment and, and, or, you know, there's the biology part, but if let's say any mental health that you have, if you put yourself in a negative environment, the mental health is going to go way up. You know, yep. if you put yourself in a positive environment, your mental health is probably going to decline. Now, again, there comes the biology side of it, you know, as, as part of it too, you know, part of my journey you know, 
there was a super negative inside. I was Mr. Positivity outside. I was around, I was around negative environments and things like that, but my mental health and anxiety was way up because internally I didn't have a good environment internally. So yeah. I want, I want to jump into John here because John made a good point point there too, uh, is looking at when it, when we're dealing with mental health, there's the supports that come into place. So how do we support? How do we talk? Uh, and as John being a parent, being a coach as well, I just kind of want to grab his thoughts real quick on, you know, how do you have that conversation about mental health in that aspect so that people do feel supported, but also leading towards getting them into the, the correct environment? Dude, that's such such amazing um, insight. Thank you. Like, <clears throat> you know, like I, I was going to say, like my my experience was, uh, you know, I went from a D minus student to a B plus student overnight, like over two weeks in medication with one with one medic when one medication increase. Yeah. Um, but that's that's also that's that spectrum. Right. You know, yep. um, and my younger brother didn't have um, an easy time, but I also have all the side effects from being on medication where my sleep was always deprived and, and that sort of thing. So anyway, um, John, is John, can we hear John? Is he? Yeah, we're having a little, John's having some di technical difficulties tonight, but it's okay. I can, I could go on a little bit about, um, about well, advocacy. I think, too, I, think, I think too is, is one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about too is, not only our own experiences, but I wouldn't jump into a lot of the things that are going on in society. Cause I think that's another yeah. big realm of it is that there's all this stuff out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so we see it many times. We see the, the suicide rates of men way up. We see the suicide yeah. rates of a lot of the other different groups, the LGBTQ community way up. You know, we see mental health, we see depression way up. We see anxiety way up. We see all these things way up, you know, and, and how is that? You know what I mean? Like we, we came from, when I grew up, this stuff really wasn't talked about. It was probably there. It wasn't talked about. Now it's here, but has it gone, has some of the things gone overboard with it? Well, I think, I think a lot of it is, is the noise we have in, in today's world. I mean, look, look at the way, the speed at which we deal with things nowadays yeah. our, our brains you know are, are only designed to process so much now one thing i learned from chase and where he's at now and the camp he's at now um and it's a good point play and it, it, it kind of jogs an issue here that i'm thinking about down there they they don't have any electronics okay they're not they don't have a lot of outside stimulation <coughs> i mean uh, stimulation is a good word think about all of the outside stimulation that we have to deal with I mean, obviously we have you know, a supercomputer in our hand where, you know, and, and all day long that's pinging at us and everything else, a lot of outside influences. Now down there where they're at, and I've learned a lesson and I've actually um, helped myself on a lot of, uh, of mental journey here, a lot of issues because I've learned how to slow down. Um, and, and this weekend we were, we were down there at his camp and somebody chimed in and says, uh, they talked to somebody else and uh, about their kid being in camp. And they said, I can see why this is like a 50 year old with, with a lot of mental issues and had a, lo a long journey with mental health and mental health issues. And he says, I wish I had this, a place like this, that I could slow time down and I could cut off a lot of the outside influences. 
I mean, where Chase is at, they are out in the wilderness uh, living and concentrating on life skills, like basic life skills, you know, how to uh, live in the woods and how to cook a meal and how to, I mean, basically they, if you look, they have a handful of things that they do and learn. And, and that's how you get by. You learn the basics of what you need and there's no outside influence. So a person with mental health or ADHD, they have all this noise coming into their brain anyhow in a normal world. Um, but think of us, you know, that, that what we deal with on a daily basis, we rarely advocate for ourselves. We rarely take time to just take a walk in the woods and sit down and be quiet and be in the moment. Um, just like today, um, I had a, a three, 300 mile road trip. I could have taken all the, the super highways and been here at like 20 minutes sooner, but I took the back roads. You know why? So I could run along it at 50 miles an hour, enjoy the scenery instead of at 75 or 80 and just get there as soon as I can. And you know what? I lost maybe 20 minutes that I tacked on the end of my day and still got the same amount of work done. But at the end of the day, I was in such much better space because I took that time to enjoy something that I enjoy that calmed my soul, calmed my spirit and refilled me. And that's basically what I've learned from my son going through what he's going through as an example. Um, and that's what we so need to do. and smelled the roses. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and that's what we need to do. And that's, that's one of the coping skills that I've learned um, to through my journey with mental health and that I had no idea. Like I said, 15 years ago, I just put, I would have put my head down. If I would have never had this journey that I had in this last 15 years, I, you know, and the brotherhood here, um, I wouldn't have learned all these skills and tools in my toolboxes to, to deal with this kind of thing. And like David said earlier, um, it is so cool to see um, it getting diagnosed earlier, but it's also, it's also a lot better that we're reaching these yeah. people and these children at an earlier age, because there's a lot more out there that can live a normal life. You're not that guy that's 50 and goes, oh, shoot, I wish I would have had this when I was a kid because I was just labeled as a dumb kid and thrown in a corner. Yeah. You know, you know, so my, my dad, my dad, my dad is the one who recognized my ADHD because he's like, this is exactly what happened to me. But in Jamaica, he was caned and told that he was an idiot and he was stupid. That's what mm -hmm. my dad and my dad is my dad is a very, very intelligent man, extremely like a lot of people would be like he doesn't have a college degree would be shocked because he's so well read and he's so intelligent. And <clears throat> had he had the opportunities that I've had because of my diagnosis at an early age, he would have been an engineer. I have no no question in my mind. He's got the he has the aptitude for it. Um, and but he was always told he was dumb. Um, and he saw me struggling. He's like, and my mom didn't know about it. My mom was a nurse, but she didn't, she, she, she was so frustrated because, uh, because she wouldn't understand, she couldn't understand how these 10, uh, spelling words that we went over every single day for a week and we'd hit Thursday. And I would be like, I've never seen that word in my entire life before. <laughs> and she was like pulling her hair out going like, what the hell like is is he doing this on purpose <clears throat> and my dad stepped in and said this is this is what i went through and and i want to share is that my younger brother also has adhd and my younger brother was diagnosed in kindergarten and i'll tell you 
with him being in kindergarten, even though it was a hell of a time trying to get medication for him, it was a lot easier. I had a lot easier time as I went from a D minus student to a B plus student in two weeks with one medication with a Ritalin and it, they increased the dose once. And, and all of a sudden I was, you know, I was in this just completely transformative. Mm -hmm. But my younger brother is a so much better speller than I am because of all the fundamentals that I missed that I, because I wasn't able to pay attention and all the grammar rules that we're taught at a very early age and that they build upon each other. Um, I didn't go on meds until fourth grade, middle of fourth grade. And so all the, the years before, and I, and I repeated third grade, to, you know, I did uh, repeated third grade. And so, you know, that, that uh, it was still missed. Um, and, you know, it, it, so it's really important. And, and I'm so glad, Toby, that you mentioned about advocacy, because it's really important. And you mentioned something <clears throat> earlier when I think we were on pause about, yeah. about incorrect diagnoses. And, I, and I, yeah. I think I'd love to hear your, like, what happened. And, yeah. Um, one thing as a parent, I mean, really, if you're engaged in, in, into your child's, you know, behaviors, you notice behavior, especially in an early age, um, and like all medical fields, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be an advocate. I mean, my, my, my wife is the professional, the world champion in that because she is a nurse, um, and her, her mom is a nurse. Um, so she's learned it from her. Her mom's been a nurse for 50, 60 years and, or at least 50 years. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, they advocate. Um, and trust me, people, the, the doctors don't rule the medical world, the nurses do. So if you want to know something, ask a nurse, you know, David, I know your mom was one, you know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, if, you really, if you really want to know what's going on, and my whole family, uh, at least on my dad's side, there's a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors and, and a couple morticians too. You know, we always said at a, ho a holiday party, we could Oh, there were some obstetricians too. So we could take care of you from birth all the way to death, you know? So <laughs> it was always fun, but anyhow, advocating for your, at least for your children or anybody else in that matter. Um, if you're a, um, if you're an advocate for a person or a power of attorney, please get multiple opinions. Uh, Chase, we diagnosed at four years old with bipolar to start with. Um, and we're like, something just didn't smell right with that, you know? And to be diagnosed at that early, bipolar, you think of a, as more of an adult um, diagnosis. And, and normally it is because you almost have to have your personality developed to be bipolar. Mm -hmm. And at four, you don't have a personality developed. You're pretty much fully emotionally reactive at that point. Um, so we were like, nah. So we got him into a couple other places, a couple other opinions. And um, one place that... that um, I will put a shout out for Shepherd's Pratt in, in, um, in Maryland, um, Towson, Maryland. They are one of the, the oldest mental health hospitals in the United States. Um, and they, we, we had him down there a couple of times, but um, they have a special, believe it or not, they have a special ward just for autistic kids where a lot of residential treat, treatment facilities don't have that. They just have a mental health ward. Well, it's, it's sort of a vegetable soup at that point, you know, and, and it really don't, you can't, they just meds for a little bit when you're in there in short term, because he's been in crisis a couple of times. And the way crisis works is at school, he acts up and throws something or hits something. And if it gets that bad, crisis is a whole 
for children is a whole process because real quick, what happens is, is, okay, you go into crisis, you got to go to the, usually is there's police or resource officer involved in when it's in school, or you can do from the home too, but you actually go into the emergency room. Okay. Um, and you sit there until there is a bed opened up within a hundred mile radius. Right. But lots of times we've waited 12 or 13 hours for a bed to open up. So you're in the ER with your child. Okay. And they don't know what's going on. It's hospitals are scary places. Okay. And you have a, a child with, you know, you know, autism and you're, you're trying to keep them calm in an environment where an emergency room, okay. They don't put you in a general room or anything else. You stay in that emergency room until they make a, have a bed open. Um, this has been, you know, a journey for us because there's sometimes we've been in the, uh, crisis we've been in emergency room for 12 hours and then we have to drive three hours to get him in a bed right and then um, the procedure is when you get to the facility you basically drop them off and within two or three minutes you have to leave there's no goodbyes you know they you say a quick goodbye but they want them in there so they can get them treated right away so you got to drop your kid off basically keep the car running throw them out the car and then you get a report maybe later, two days later, when their therapist uh, in residence gets to see the child and evaluate them. Oh, we'll adjust their meds a little bit. And then on the other side, <laughs> two weeks later, uh, they want to try to push the kid out because they need the bed for the next patient coming in. The bad thing is, especially for youth right now, is there are so limited facilities for youth with mental health. And the problem is, is there is a tidal wave of youth with mental instability, mental issues. But the problem is there is not facilities for that. And that's why you see so much suicide, so much drug use and substance use, so much depression in kids. Because as fast as this world is spinning nowadays and all the noise out there, we don't, as adults, as adults, have the faculty or the tools to deal with that unless you do a lot of work. Children coming up through never get the chance. So it's our responsibility after we learn as adults uh, to cope with this is to go back and advocate for our children and say, hey, this is what I want to try. OK, you go to the doctor and go, hey, uh, let's try this. Let's try that. I read about this. I heard about that. You need to advocate for your child and never, ever give up. And no, no idea if it's if it's even has a spark of hope for redemption or just a little bit of work, you know, it's going to work or whatever. Because remember, it's a spectrum. Not all the keys are going to fit the keyholes. It is our responsibility to go in and catch these human beings at a young age to help them so they don't they can have a successful life, you know, after, you know after the youth is over so a so, little hey, bit of Toby. A, a little bit of work up front a little bit of work up front can set up their whole life for at least for some success the so, question is the question is toby i, I is, can i can i ask a question because toby i, I like a, a sort of a segue because now you've talked a lot about chase mm -hmm. right but you also mentioned that your wife has had has had you know issues around mental health herself sure. and like can you talk about the impact of what you guys went through as a couple, which again, you mentioned uh, like the fact that you were still together was kind yeah. of a, a miracle and that sort of thing. Um, and, and 
you know, the impact of her, like, uh, uh, like a mother having to drop her child off after just spending 12 hours in an emergency room, trying to keep them calm in an environment that is anything but that, right? Mm-hmm. That to drop, drive three hours, drop them off and have to say goodbye. And then let a, like, you know, I, I, I want to take it from that other angle at now being the husband to, to someone and, and seeing her going through the difficulties yep. that it adds that additional layer. And, and I'm just going to say, this is a, why I said that in the first thing is that this country is in a, is in a mental health crisis of epic proportion. And, uh, and that's why this is important. So please, if you, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, yeah. putting you on the hot seat a little more <laughs> about that, but. No, not a problem at all. Um, you know, you know, mental health can be somewhat hereditary with chemical issues and everything else. It can be inherited. Um, without getting in too much detail on my wife's side, um, she inherited some of that, but even in general, as, as, as men, um, in our households, we tend to be the protectors, the providers and everything else. That's, you know, that's the role that we take on, um, you know, and, and just as men in general. Um, and when you have a child that is going through those issues, and then you have the mother of your child, um, you know, having difficulties and everything else. And, you know, you travel for work and everything else, you're stretched really thin anyhow. Uh, as men, we tend to, you know, be fixers and we'll make the blanket as big as we have to, to cover our family. It doesn't matter what it takes. We will spend all of our being and all of our energy. The, my first priority is my family, um, you know, and I've learned that to, to deal with that in certain ways, but with when you see your spouse, um, and believe me, it, it has been difficult. We have hit the rocks. We've been on the rocks. But the, the thing is, I, I've always had a mentality that we were doing it together. I never, ever uh, took for granted or dismissed my wife's emotions on the subject. Okay. I, I, early on, I might have, I might have, you know, like, you know, because when you're hit with that storm of, of autism, First, the diagnosis hits you like a brick in the chest. Okay. Oh my God, uh, our child has autism. And you find it more prevalent nowadays. People are like, why are all these diagnoses happening? Number one is because it is a spectrum, it's a huge wall. 20 years ago, we could see one square inch of that wall. Okay. Now we've backed up and we can see the 100 foot by 100 foot wall. That's why there's more diagnosed nowadays. Um, cause you know, there's people out there and I've heard it stated, well, they're just, they're just throwing diagnosis left and right just to get these kids help and everything else. So what, if somebody needs mental help, why, de- why del- belittle it? Why demean it? You know, if they need mental help, they need mental help. But the thing is the reason why there's more diagnosis nowadays, no, there's not something in the water. It's just, you're standing back 50 feet and you can see the whole hundred foot wall now. Um, but with Rachel and I, it's been a journey, but the pro- the thing that kept us together, um, I think was our commitment to each other and our commitment to Chase. And you know what? It's been one of the, one of the biggest struggles in my life, but you know what? Being on this side of it, um, I don't think I'd change anything because it's made my relationship stronger with my wife. Um, it's made my relationship stronger with my children, both of my kids. My oldest is, is 13 months older than Chase. 
they had a very tumultuous relationship growing up because Chase was very physical. Um, Charlie um, is not autistic at all. Um, and he was always advocating for Chase, but yet he, his little brother was always the super pain in the ass um, and physical with him. You know, he would come up and hit Charlie with a pipe. You know, Charlie has a knee that gives him trouble because Chase just up and hit him with a pipe one day because he got mad at him and in the knee. Um, and it manifested into a lot of physical violence. I'd say in the last three years before we got him where he's at now, um, there was a lot of physical violence and he was in trouble with the law at, at 13, 14. He was looking at, at, at juvenile uh, charges. Um, it got that bad. And that's how it can spiral out of control quickly. But as far as Rachel's and I relationship, um, yeah, I don't know if there's one certain thing that, that we uh, that kept us together, except the fight that we fought together. You know, it, when you're fighting side by side mm -hmm. with somebody for yourself, mm -hmm. for your family, you know, for your children, you know, of this issue that you, there's really no, um, I don't know, there's no like visible, it's not visible. So it's like a silent, silent killer you're fighting. You're, you're in a fight with a ghost, essentially. Um, you know it's there because it's it's obvious manifesting around you in different behaviors and environments and, and everything else but the thing that kept us together uh i think was the fight and you know we can kind of joke about it now and look back on all the stuff we have i mean there there's all, so many sleepless nights and everything else but i wouldn't do any i wouldn't change anything mm -hmm. and i think and, and, that I makes us stronger Right. And I asked that because having having the, the wonderful opportunity to spend some time with Rachel and she what a wonderful, yeah. wonderful woman she is. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I, 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 I both, you know, you both have a very warm place in my heart for opening up your home um, to us last year um, yeah. <clears throat> for the Brotherhood, uh, the Brotherhood weekend. Um, and you know, I think that one of the things that I've seen, like the improvement in your level of communication uh, with, with, you know, just being able to, to have words to use to communicate. And that, and that is part of that fight is, is being able to, 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 to relay what is, yep. what is necessary going on. And Clay, you've mentioned this too, like, you know, 15 years, of deep seated anxiety and then and it finally you know kind of broke for you and you hit the wall which we're yeah. advocating not to get there by you know stepping forward and stepping into it at right. the time like you finally you know had were able to communicate it and then and and what a what a wonderful turnaround that was for you the realization that you know, like you yeah. weren't less than you weren't like all of that and so you know i that fight instead of fighting each other yep. you fight together and and you know why uh why we see relationships don't always survive um a lot of turmoil is that that you're forgetting that what you're fighting for yep. and and that you're fighting it together and i i mean my own husband and i i just had a wonderful conversation over really hard stuff that we're dealing with in our in our current relationship and what's going on with us and that we're you know, but we're communicating. And I can tell you that there are very few relationships that I know of. And there are two of the people that I can say with certainty that their relationship can handle 
the, the amount of stress and pressure that we've been feeling are right here, right now. It's yeah. the two of you. Because I always, a always lot said, of my friends can't. Their their relationships would tank. Um, yeah. uh, and I don't. Not that I'd want that, but I just it. That's how important communication. How important joy, like together, that you are you are fighting the same fight together to try and go in the same direction, and, um, I, and not fight against each other. One of the biggest <clears throat> points on that is seven years ago it wasn't, and the yeah. reason why is because. I wasn't being truthful to myself. Yep. When you don't want to have honest communication, it ain't going to work. When you don't want to actually talk about the things, it's just avoidance. You know what I mean? Yep. I avoided anxiety for 15 years. I mean, I didn't avoid it because it was happening to me. But and I, was, I didn't know I didn't know it because it wasn't happening. Yeah. You know. And I, yeah, and it was like you know, it, it was happening happening inside. I was feeling it physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, all of that stuff. But you, you are correct. Absolutely. The reason why, you know, you can build a great relationship with anybody and especially yourself is when you actually open up and be honest with yourself and with those people you're trying to communicate with or have that relationship with, because when you're not, I mean, if you're lying to yourself, you're lying to somebody, you're lying to everybody else, yeah. you know? And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. When I got honest with myself is when I started sharing, when I started sharing, just like you said, it allowed me to step into it and into the things I didn't like, into the things I was trying to kick out, and it allowed me to step up to lead myself. So when I started leading myself and actually being cool with Clay Smelter, like who he really is, because again, I think a lot of the times with mental health and being, again, an educator, I see a whole gamut of everything. Um, and I think a lot of times what we get into is mental health a lot of times occurs because we're so afraid to be exposed to the real person. Yeah. And I think there's where depressive thoughts come. There's where anxiety comes thought. I mean, a lot was that for me because I felt the anxiety. I didn't like it. Therefore, I didn't want people to see it. If I didn't like it about myself, I sure as hell didn't want other people to think, you know, to see that part of me because I didn't like it about me. And that exposure to saying, hey, here's what's really happening. Here's what's really going on. Definitely for me, increased my levels. And again, one of the reasons why I didn't say anything for 15 years because well, I'm yeah. a tough guy. I can handle it myself. I don't want people to really know what's going on in this thing. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that, that we have here. Um, let's jump into what we see out, out in the world. Cause I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, <laughs> mental health with guys way up, you know, you, there's depression, higher depression, okay. higher anxiety. Uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's literally absurd how many guys are in that, that state, how many guys take their lives every single year, all of those different things, you mm -hmm. know, let's why, like, look at, look at prison, prison population, right. The yeah. majority, like yeah. uh, at least, at least 65 to 75% of those people in prison have um, like ADD, ADHD, or, you know, some kind of mental health issue that remain went on, unchecked uh or they didn't receive the help and so yeah our environment like clay i mean you said it in a in like like uh you know toby when you made the the reference to you know uh, chase not having electronics and how fast the world is i mean it is so fast it is so much faster i mean i think about 
when I first got a modem for my computer, <laughs> when I was, I was, it was dial up yeah. and it was, it was, it was before, you know, it was at the AOL thing I hated and, that and I had a 300, 300 baud modem and, you know, you load up, you know, it's funny. That was the, 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 when I first, first nude picture I ever brought up, I remember it coming up line by line by line by line, right? <laughs> You're like, like yeah. that was, I mean, it like, come on, come on, come on. You know, it took, three minutes to load right and now you can get anything at the at your fingertip and it's funny because i look at it and think about you know that was that was fast back then yeah. and i remember getting from a 300 baud modem to a 14.4 and it yeah. was just like light years ahead and like now but it's the, exponential it's it is it is it is ludicrous speed like it is it is at a speed <laughs> that is that is not manageable and that's yeah. the big problem is it's not manageable. We have platforms that we can say whatever we want with very little, if not no consequence. Yeah. We have we have people that that um, you know their whole life is influencing other people, right? And 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 I mean that the whole term of an influencer, I get it, and each to their own. But when we were talking and talking last week and, and talking about the difference between having a conversation and being able to have, you know, constructive and, 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 and really get understanding that is different than trying to influence somebody to, to, to take your side. And now we actually have this class of people that that's their job Make is to influence it. other people. It is, uh, it is now the, it is the, um, the equivalent of uh, um, what is the political thing when you have lo lobbyists? Lobbyists. We we yeah. now have we now have social lobbyists that lobby for whatever the hell they want, whether it is you know lipstick on a pig, to you know uh, to uh, <laughs> to you know the 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 climate change and stuff like that. I mean, it's it, it runs a gamut. How do you filter that shit out? And and. and I think one of the and, biggest and that's the thing like you can't like how can you filter it out and when you put somebody who's super is super you know uh, that tuned in when you said that the walking into a room and it sounded like I know what that's like like yeah. that like I I know even I have that sensory that audio sensory thing where it's like it's an overload thing and you're just like oh my god you know anyway that's and, and my think, thoughts no, I think one of the things, too, that comes along with what we were just talking about there is that we live in such a pleasure-filled world. You know what I mean? Like, everything's pleasure-filled. Like Instant gratification. Instant 90, gratification, too. 98% yeah, of our world is pleasure. 2% of it is survival, if that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't live in – we would live in the United States. We don't live in a, a world. We don't live in a society that we really have to survive. Like, it's not wake up and be like, hey, our goal is not to die today not to die from something, some disease, some this, some that. Where am I going to find food? We Usually we can find food. We live in a pretty safe and very uh, pleasure-filled world. And it's literally at our fingertips all over the place, you know, with our phones and stuff. And I think what that has caused is because we don't live in that society anymore, we don't always have the opportunity to utilize the things that biologically go in our brains. And, and for example, for me, when I learned about anxiety, because I didn't understand it and I didn't want to, but when I started learning about it and learning about me, what I realized is that the anxiety that I feel now when is, is a survival mechanism 
but it's also the same shit I use when they said, Clay, you need to go to the mound. There's guys, the bases are loaded. We need one more out to win this damn game. And I'm going, fuck, let's do it. I'm cool with that. Let's put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. And it's the same chemicals. It's the same release. Yeah. It's the same thing that happens. But I utilized it in a way that actually was positive and awesome. Because my anxiety did not start until after I stopped uh, competing. Once I stopped competing in, in college ball because of uh, uh, injury, like that's when it showed up. And it came along on times where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and I think that was a big part of me. I'm like, why, why do I feel this way? This is stupid. Like, what the fuck? You know, and then negative stuff started coming to me and that just snowballed the whole thing. But I think, again, if we had more of understanding, hey, how does this stuff work biologically, environmentally, and how does that show up in our life and how do we want to show up in our life? We have a better opportunity to really live the life we want to and not be consumed by it and consumed by the noise, but in a path that we actually really want to go. So um yeah it, that what you were saying there brought up something um basically it's impulse control when you really think about it and you know in our brain i call it the lizard brain okay because it's it's the part of you that just is impulsive and acts on basically instinct and as much noise is going on in the world right now it is the only you you think of all the advertisements and like you said all the electronic input and everything else it's the only part of the brain that those advertisers and those sellers can reach anymore to actually get you to trigger something. If we were all thought reactive and really analyzed everything that was coming into our head, we wouldn't buy anything except what we needed. Right. We'd have the bread and milk and toilet paper. That's all we'd have, you know? <laughs> uh, but those advertisers, <laughs> those advertisers, think about it. Think how many billions with a B yeah. is spent every year on um, reaching that part of your lizard brain. Subconscious. Yes, that's what they're doing. And that's why we get bombarded nowadays, because what, what happens, um, you know, what happens going down the highway if you have a noise in your car? What do you do? You turn, turn the volume up in, uh, in your stereo, right? Now you don't hear the noise. It's the same thing. But the thing <laughs> is, they have, to get, they have to get louder. They have to reach you with that pleasure, because the lizard brain is all about pleasure. Oh, it's what true. makes you feel good. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. So they have to sell things. Reaction. Exactly. They got to reach that lizard brain. So you know what? If they're not loud enough to reach your lizard brain, what are they going to do? They're going to get louder and louder and louder. And that's all the background noise that we have nowadays. Now, one good thing, one good thing that I've been able to work on and see because of my journey with my wife and my sons and everything else, I have learned to turn that down. And that's one of the tools that we can provide here in the brotherhood is discussion Correct. and tools where we can we can give examples of what we do and the products that, that we use and the methods that we use for coping with that. I will go on a hike and I'll sit out in the woods and just look at a leaf for two hours if I want to. I'll take a 20 mile detour on a road where I can just breathe and just enjoy the scenery from a different angle, you know, or I'll go out to my shop and I'll make something or whatever, or I'll read a book, you know, on a subject that I want to, but it starts with yourself. And that's a big advocate that we do. You got to start with yourself first. Like David said in the podcast yesterday, you put your mask on yourself first, and then you worry about everybody else. Because if you don't start with yourself, you're just going to get caught up in that lizard brain input and just keep on rolling. Yep. 
So mm-hmm. now, and now, yeah, now John, for, for our it's listeners, cool. John had some technical difficulty, so he wouldn't hear, but I, we want to kind of wrap up here. Um, let's give, <clears throat> what's one of your, like, so to wrap up here, what is one of the biggest things for mental health out of your toolkit that you would suggest somebody who is either going through mental health uh, or dealing with mental health uh, or it's in the family? What's one, what's the biggest toolkit tool that you can pull out of your toolkit for that person, Toby? My biggest tools are the sword and shield that I built out of knowledge about myself, my mental health, and the knowledge about mental health. If I know more about it, I can do more about it. So that was my, my, my sword and my shield in this battle is knowledge and understanding, okay? That I do not think and work like anybody else. My wife does not think and work like anybody else. My son does not think and work like anybody else. You have to understand a person as an individual, their mental health as an individual, the knowledge, whether it be book learning or just an observation of a person. Everybody's journey is different with mental health. You have to step back and observe to work on anything with mental health. Absolutely. David, how about you? Because you kind of stole mine. That was that, that was totally like that was exactly what I was is it, it hey. is super super well and that so, that tells you something right yep. um that 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 really does tell you that 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 is that knowledge is power um and uh and I would say um um active listening and and really listening because in order like there can be a lot of information being thrown at you but what does active listening actually mean and is is when you're when you're really paying attention to it and you're actually you know taking it in and sometimes that means not doing the comparison which my brain tends to do automatically it's just like oh this and this and this but trying to slow it down enough that you can really take that really take that in and and be okay with not knowing everything and be okay with with being inquisitive um and i think i find that that is one of the things that has really helped me in life is having a, an inquisitive personality uh, you know allows you to be open and and really understand that there's because each human being is unique is an individual then there are so many different there there are different solutions and different things that are going to work for different people um so the, I would say that, but I would also say the other very important thing is to drop the shame yeah. around mental health issues. Is that yeah. because it, when you're talking about something that is biological, you do not have controls over those things. And I've heard parents that are like, I don't want my kid to have ADHD. I don't want my kid. They're like, okay, so you're just going to let them struggle for their whole entire life, even though it is freaking obvious that they have something going on. And, and so, you know, it's like, yeah. don't stand back and, and just, you know, and, and just allow that stuff to, you know, that to happen. Like, you know, um, anyway, that's, that's kind of what I have about yeah. it. You know, my, my, my biggest tool, uh, tool for my toolkit would be just like you were saying there uh lots of people want to power through it that was me um my biggest tool for my toolkit is to talk share uh and find a space and place that you can share uh, because they're out there um i didn't the brotherhood is one of those 
Um, I didn't have those, but I was, again, I wasn't looking for one because I didn't want to deal with what I, what was going on until I was ready to actually deal with that. Then that's when I knew when I shared it with my wife first, that's when I knew I needed a space and a place to be able to share, to be able to collect information and knowledge like you're talking about, Toby. And then mm-hmm. again, David, what you were talking about too, is not just power through it, but really dive into those things and really learn about who I am as a person, how I operate, and then also how I want to show up. So those, those are great tips. We, we do have, we want, I want to give you also uh, the listeners five ways that they can help boost their mental health. And these five ways uh, that you can utilize, and again, put these into your toolkit, not along with, uh, along with ours, but put these five things in here too. Number one is visualize the man you want to show up as. And that's a great tactic. In the morning, uh, I always say the line foot <coughs> hits the ground. That is my line to say, hey, when I cross this line, I'm giving everything I got. But I'm also visualizing as I wake up that man I want to show up as today, whether it be um, with my wife, with my kids, myself, um, at, in my career, uh, anywhere. So visualize the man that you want to show up as. Number two, use the ARA sequence, which is assess, reflect, and adjust. Be a reflective person. Because if you can't look back and be like, hey, did I do this right? Did I, you know? What was right? What was wrong? Why was it right? Why was it wrong? And hey, do I need to make any adjustments? Then we're just kind of just doing and not even thinking about what we're doing. So number two, use the ARA sequence. Number three, love your story. It's yours. And we have to learn to love our story. We may not like things that happened in our story, but when we love our story, we appreciate our story. We appreciate ourselves. Number That's number three. Number four, Toby's big one, practice gratitude. Absolutely. You want to change your life? practice gratitude. You want to change your life, reveal your purpose. Those are the two things. And number five, cast away doubt. Too many times we go through life, we doubt ourselves. We say, hey, the two greatest questions every person has, am I good enough? And do I have what it takes? If you're saying no and no to those, you're doubting yourself. Cast away that doubt, answer yes and yes to those two questions and go out and kick ass every single day. So visualize the man you want to show up as, use the ARA sequence, love your story, practice gratitude, cast away that doubt. Those are five tools you can put in your toolkit right now, along with what Toby said, what David said, and what I said, to kick ass and to boost your mental health there in every area of life. So guys, we want to get to the questions. We got two questions today. Okay. John's not here, so we can't uh, give him the first one. Can't put him on the spot. But uh, here's the first one. Real quick, um, you know, whatever answer comes to you, you guys don't know these. I do. Um, you guys don't know these questions. So real quick, uh, answer, uh, probably let's take like 30 seconds to answer those. So here's the first one. It's a big one. So pay attention here. If the universe is energy and nature is harmony, then how or what are the strands that hold that energy together? Can you repeat the question? Yeah, one more time. If the universe is energy, so everything in the universe is energy, positive, mm-hmm. negative. In nature is considered to be the harmony of that, how that energy comes together, then how or what are the strands that actually hold that energy together? Uh, uh-huh. I got this. Okay. Think of the universe as a big piano. Think of all the strings in a piano. Okay. What plucks those strings to make music? We do as humans. Okay, I think it's our opportunity. You can think about a child that goes up to a piano and just bangs on it. It's not music, is it? It doesn't sound good. But you get somebody that puts the time in and learns how to play classical piano. 
It is a pleasure to learn, to hear them. You know, that's why, you know, we love to just hear instruments when they're tuned right and when they're played right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's our obligation as human beings to make the universe a beautiful place, however you do it, whether you commune with nature. Like I said, I can go out and go for a, a 10 mile hike, you know, and just enjoy the trees, enjoy the flowers, enjoy the plants and learn about them and everything else. That is my way <clears throat> of communing with the world and the universe. I feel, I don't feel, think about how, where you're at and what you're doing when you feel most connected with the universe. And that's one of that. the things that I do. Exactly. That's works for me, yeah. but whatever it is for you. Yeah. What's do the, that. What is it for you, David? Uh, emotion. Okay. 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 And and I'll tell you the I'll tell you why because it actually builds off of uh, builds off of what Toby said is that um, is that that music is nothing but vibrations, mm -hmm. right? And vibrations are are the they're they're nothing but you know they're they're a frequency energy energy and they're, and they're energy it's energy, yet they can cause emotional response which is which is like which is kind of what I think emotion and what, and what makes up our soul. Okay. Um, and I think that that's what's connective. I'm, going to, tie, I'm going to tie this all. I'm going to tie Toby's and I'm going to tie yours together. There's a reason. So you got the energy, you got the emotion, you got, you got the, the strings and the person playing the music. Okay. You got the energy that comes from that, which gives you that emotion, but all behind that, there's a reason why that person is playing that tune. And that why is a reason why they light up the world, which to me comes back to purpose holds it, holds it all together. Because there's <laughs> a reason why that person is on that stage playing that music. <clears throat> and that's a beautiful thing because they can, they took the time to do that. They took the time to create that energy and bring that emotion. That's why I love music because there's so many different things that come in through there. Uh, and that feeling, it can make you cry, it can make you laugh, it can make you sad it can make you angry all these different things there's a reason why that artist did that and that's there's a reason why they're an artist because that's why and it's a purpose that comes out through this so that's mine all right second question okay how do you find the moments to be present and and be present in them so this question is really looking at we want to create those moments in our life to be present so how do you find those moments you don't find them you create them oh okay David? Mic drop, dude. <laughs> Again, Toby stole mine. Uh, yeah, I, I have to second Toby on that. I, I think you create them. And, and I think it's more of if it's paying attention. It's really, I mean, it's, it's paying attention. It's like, you know, pay attention. Live in the moment, live in the moment, create, work on yourself, create your own moments that you can have that. I'm going um, to add what I'm going to add in there. So David, you took mine is pay attention to the moments. Look, be on the lookout. Yep. You know, don't be a parachute because what happens when the parachutes, you know, par don't be a parachute that's closed because guess what? You go splat. It's yeah. not open. Open, it works. You know, uh, we don't want to splat. So what I'm going to put in there is I think, you know, you, you take those three things and then you put gratitude behind it mm -hmm. and it makes the moment that you have in that present even greater because you have the appreciation for whatever that moment is you have the appreciation for that. And that not only builds with the situation that occurred with the people that are involved before yourself too. So 
I'm going to throw in gratitude there. As yeah. Well. Think of, think about it real quick. I'll, I'll add something in there. Learn to slow, slow your yeah. perception down. When you think about it, time is a human construct, yeah. right? So if it is a human construct, we have power over it. Okay. Um, you can manage your time. Yeah. Yeah. It ticks along. If you're looking at a clock, it ticks along one second, every second, but that's a perception. It's because you're looking at the clock. It's like Schrodinger's cat, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, but the thing is, if you can learn to slow down and then in that moment that you've stretched out, if you can fill that with gratitude, it's huge. It's like blowing up a balloon that you have now have a balloon full of gratitude. Yep. Absolutely, so. man. So David, any last words? Nope. I'm all good. This is amazing <laughs> guys. Love y'all. Toby, any last words? No, I'm good. I just, I just hope, uh, like, like Clay's going to say here in a little bit. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, at least give the Brotherhood a, a chance and and check us out because we're doing so much good. We've we've done good for ourselves, but we want to help other other men and we want to reach out and you know we want to help you be your better self. Um, the reason we're at where we're at today, we put a lot of work in, but I didn't put this work in alone. You know, I've had. I've had all my other brothers to help me and I'm so grateful for David, for Clay, for everybody in this brotherhood. And it means a lot. You will learn, yeah. you will learn gratitude and you'll be immersed in it, you know, and like Clay said the other week, um, you get to a point where it just clicks, you know, and, <clears throat> and you're on the other side of it and you're pulling up other men with, with you and to you. And that's where we're at. So. And that's our goal is to pull, pull other men with us to feel that simplicity, feel that freedom, feel that, that purpose and that drive in their lives and just have that. I just want to say personally, I thank both of you for being on here tonight. I love you both. Uh, and I appreciate the fuck out of both of you uh, immensely. Uh, and one of the things that I love uh, about the brotherhood is that the guys were family, you know, and <clears throat> that's the coolest thing. Yeah. We're brothers, but we are absolutely family. And uh, so I love that. Love having these conversations, guys. If you were listening to this, uh, you want to kind of jumpstart your uh, purpose journey for yourself, go to buildbattlebond.com, get the action cycle. But just like Toby said and David said as well along the way here, if you want to look at being part of the brotherhood, guys, go to www.purposeinfusedbrotherhood.com. Guys, you get 30 days free. Okay, check it out. That gives you four sessions with us in one session. I'm going to guarantee you're going to get something out of it. And you're going to be like, holy shit. This is something that can actually bring huge value to my life. So check it out, purposeinfusedbrotherhood.com. You get 30 days free. Again, one session, I guarantee you're going to be like, dude, this is awesome. So purposeinfusedbrotherhood.com. Go there right now. Toby, David, appreciate the shit out of you. John, technical yeah. difficulties, <laughs> it's okay. We love you and appreciate the hell out of you too, John. So all right, yeah, guys. We will Love see you, brothers. Peace. All right, love, love you guys. guys.